You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. So we'll start in Nehemiah 3, and I'm only going to read a little bit of Nehemiah 3 because if you read it in your own time, you'll see it's a lot of just naming names. But I want to read it because it's important in the text that we're talking about it today. Now, as I begin this, let me say that by no means do I have any idea how to pronounce the names in all of this, okay? I am making it up as I go. And so don't quote me on, the, on, the, on how you pronounce these names, okay? All right. So verse 1 in Nehemiah 3 Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it, and they set it up, and they set up its doors, building the wall. Sorry, my iPad's upside down. Okay. (laughs) Um, Building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hanel. People from the Tower of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hanesanah. They laid the beams, set up the doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Barameth, son of Uriah, and the grandson of Hakok, as is, (laughs) I hope someone's interceding for me right now, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him was Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and the grandson of Meshezabel, and Zadok, and the son of Benan. Right, guys? <laughs> and next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. Just point this out. That really stuck out to me, that he's listing a bunch of people that did work, and then stops and says, though there were the people of Tekoa, and their leaders refused to work in the construction. I had to dig a little bit deeper into that, and I read the commentary, which says, that they were prideful and they were careless, or they had carelessness and covetousness, and um, that God n- wanted it noted that they didn't want to help. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to verse six. I don't want to be that person. That's my point. Verse six, the old city gate was repaired by Joada, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of and they laid the beam, set up its doors, and installed the bolts and bars. Okay, I'm going to stop there because I will I'll put you out of your misery. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to point out is if you read it, and if you go and read the whole thing, it, it is showing what is going on in the community. So-and-so, this group of people, they were doing this. They were building this part of the wall. And then there was this group of people that were building the doors. And then these people were building the grates, right gates. Right next to them, they were doing the nuts and bolts stuff. And right next to them, and it shows that there is this progression of a bunch of people all getting into line, doing their part. And God says, they were, they were becoming connected. What did we see last week? We saw that they picked up the commission. We will build the wall. We will build the wall, right? We said that last week. We will build the wall. If you, didn't, if you haven't watched the last two weeks, please go back and do that. It's important to where we're going as a church body. So they, they, they picked up the commission. They became committed. I am going to build the wall. That is what we're going to do. But now you see they've gotten into place and they're becoming connected. You're doing this. I'm doing this. What I'm doing affects you, what you're doing affects me, and there's some over there. We're all in this together. It's connectedness. Let's read. Connectedness means this, to become joined. It's a transfer that takes place, to join and to fasten. 
So God refers to us as the body of Christ, okay? We are the body of Christ. So if we think of that in the natural terms, our body, every limb, every muscle, everything, there is a transfer that is taking place in our body. Life, blood is flowing through our body. There's a transfer, right? That's connectedness that takes place. Everything doing its part. Now Cliff pointed out this when, when um, Cliff died and came back to life. I don't know if any of you know that, but that's an amazing story you need to hear. But he could hear, while he was in a coma, he could hear, and as he was coming out, he could hear people, their voices. He knew who they were praying for him. And he said that was what became the most amazing thing to him was that how connected we are. And he uses this example, and I want to use it today, if that's okay, Cliff, I don't mean to steal a message from you or anything, but in connectedness, if, if, if my hand was cut off, I would miss my hand, but my body would continue working without my hand. But my hand would be missing the transfer that goes forth to keep it alive and my hand would die. My hand can't survive on its own. It needs the body. Everyone in their place. I'm connected to you, you're connected to me. I can't survive on my own. There's a transfer that takes place, and that's what's going on in this text that we read. There's a transfer. I'm in place, you're in place. And most of us want to be a part of something that affects us. But that's not the kingdom way. The kingdom is that we are a part of something that affects the world. That, that the body of Christ comes together, that it, 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 it affects us, but even greater than that, it affects the city. It affects the nation. That we're all in it together. I'm gonna read from Philippians 2, but before I go there, one of the things that God spoke to me about was about connectedness in the world today. And there's a saying that says, we're more connected now than ever, right? We've all heard that we're more connected now than ever because of social media. And to a degree, there is truth to that. I can look up someone that I went to kindergarten with and I can find them and I can be connected to them, but I'm not actually connected to them. There's a difference. And we've lost this art of connection, especially even coming out of isolation and, and, and all that's transpired in the year. I hear about it, experienced it myself, that, that social anxiety of I'm not even sure how to talk to people anymore because it isn't anything that we've done for so long. But even before that, we were already losing our art of being connected to one another because connection meant looking at someone through a screen. And so I want to read Philippians 2, and I want to talk about connection just for a moment before we go on in Nehemiah. Philippians 2 says this, Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepened friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. So I am asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. 
Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your heart, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of our own interests. And consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one who has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He lists here connection. How, how do you become connected? What, what do we follow to be connected to one another? Let's just break it down real quick. Number one, he says, walk together. Walk together. Not one speeding up ahead, not one trying to get ahead. Walk together. You're only as strong as the weakest one around you. Recognize that you are together, so you are looking for together. Go out and look for connection. Stop feeling sorry for yourself that nobody comes to you. Find common ground. Find common ground. Whenever I'm out in, in public and I'm, you know, maybe at a social event or something and, you know, you get stuck at tables with people and, and you're like, what do we talk about? We don't even know each other. You look for the common ground. Well, you start ask ask questions about somebody. What what do you do? What are you interested in? What where do you work? Where does your family come? You are looking. You're searching for the common ground that I can connect to you with. Number two, he says, be free from pride-filled opinions. Why? This harms unity. Listen. How do you connect? Listen. Listen to what the other person is saying. So many times we are, we, we want to just give our opinion. We want to give our thoughts. We're thinking about what we're going to say next. Listen. Because if you listen, you will hear the heart behind what the person's saying. My mom used to teach me that all the time. She'd say, listen. When people are talking, listen. They just want to be heard. Listen. Look for their heart. You can find it if you listen. Slow down your mind. Stop being interested in the sound of your own voice or in what you have to say or what you are going to say next that you aren't hearing the heart of the person talking to you. Actually take an interest in the person, in people. Number three, don't allow self-promotion to hide in your heart. I love this. I've read this verse many times and every time I read it, I think what a question to ask myself. Do I have self-promotion hidden in my heart? In any part of my day, is there self-promotion going on? Put others first as more important than yourself. Compliment them with sincere compliments. Be thankful towards them. Be in the moment. Putting someone first means you're in the moment. Look at them in the eye. Put your phone down. There is nothing more insulting than when you are talking to somebody and they reach for their phone. There is nothing that, that, that stops somebody from sharing their heart with you is when you're in a place and you begin to watch what's going on around you and you take your eyes off of them. Come on, we've all had that happen, right? Where you're like, oh, oh, okay, I don't know. Look at them in the eye. Purposeful, I am connecting with you right now. What matter, What you say matters to me. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Look for ways to help rather than how others can help you. This is kingdom. 
Number five, it says, consider the example of Jesus that he has set before you. Let his mindset be our motivation. I thought about that and I thought there's lots that we consider about Jesus. Lots that we could, and, uh, that we could talk about. But one of the things about Jesus that's, that, that is amazing is that he was real and he was open. And he was genuine and he was authentic. Real and open. That if we were purposeful in our connection with one another, that we would stop hiding behind the masks that we wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never even thought about that. <laughs> the masks that we portray, right? I heard this and I thought it was interesting that the, the culture of the day says to men, okay? This is what the culture of the day says to men. You must not show any weakness. You must always be strong. And that's the battle they fight. You must never show weakness. Don't you show a sign of weakness. You are strong. And so therefore we come into community like this. I'm not weak. I'm good. I don't, I don't feel. I'm good. Meanwhile, many people are breaking inside, hungry for real connection, but can't show it because I need to be strong. Women, this is the culture that they fight. You must be perfect. You must be perfect. You must be perfect in the way you look, perfect in the way you talk. You have to be perfect in how you have, how you, how you're a wife or how you have children. You, your life, your house must be, everything must be perfect. And so we come and we show up in these kind of scenarios and we're perfect. I'm perfect. And all of us here know, every single person knows, there's not one woman here that's perfect. There's not one man here that doesn't have a weakness. But yet, we still show up with that facade. And we struggle to connect. How amazing would it be if we started a different culture in this church that said, I know I know that you're not perfect. I'm not perfect either. And that's the crazy thing, is that he put us together. Because where you're weak, I'm strong. Where you're strong, I'm weak. I need you. I know that you aren't strong all the time, that there's things that you need, that, that you need me to carry you. I know that. That that would be the culture of this place instead of living by the culture of the world. So be, genu or be real and be open with one another. That's how you connect. Other one is be genuine and authentic. You need to stop, I need to stop comparing myself to other people and thinking that's how I should be. If we were thinking about the body of Christ, right? If all of us were a bunch of hands, we'd have issues. <laughs> But yet, in, in the natural realm, that's what we're doing. I, I must be like her. Therefore, you abdicate your function in the body of Christ because you're trying to be like them. Be authentically you. You're needed. We need you. Okay, that's, let's go to, back to Nehemiah 4. So Sanbalt, Nehemiah 4 verse 1, Sanbalt was very angry when he learned 
they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the, and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can build the wall a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. So they start mocking it, right? They start speaking against it. But you want to know that when connection is taking place, things begin and things begin to start moving forward. The enemy begins to move in. Yeah, he'll mock it. He'll start to speak against it. You'll start seeing it. He'll start to rage against it. Verse four, then I prayed, This is Nehemiah. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May the scoffing fall back on their own heads and may they they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Another version says the the people had a heart and a mind to work. So there is something that you see in their connectedness, right? There's something that's happening. They're excited about what is going on. That's what it says. They are doing it with enthusiasm. Everyone's excited. They build half the wall. Things are going good. All because they're connected, right? But it says they built up to half the wall. And as I was reading this, God said, I want you to note the word half. Because connectedness is only half of what God wants with his people. It's only half. Connectedness is you get into place and you begin to, you begin to do your part. You begin to build, but it's only half. He says, the other half is community. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So verse seven, he goes, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Did you see that? They all made plans to come and throw us into confusion. When the people of God begin to move forward in building and connectedness and move forward towards community, the enemy brings confusion. Let me tell you a story. There was a time in this church history, many times, but one that I can remember in general in this church history where we were building towards something. We were building towards something. And, and, and there became a spirit that moved in. Why? Because they were building because connectedness was happening, because they were going into something deeper and greater that God had designed for them, and something began to happen, the spirit of confusion. I remember hearing so many voices and hearing so many things. There was so much talking going on, and it was hard to see your way out of it. Some of you that were here know what I'm talking about. It was just like, I don't even know what's going on. I can't see my way out of this. What is going on? And I remember one day, I was sitting with my husband. We are sitting outside, and we were sitting by the fire, and I said, like, I am so confused. And anyone that knows my husband knows that he's not a man of many words, but when he does speak, it's very black and white. 
sometimes it's like a gut punch. And, 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 he, and he said, well, then it's the spirit of confusion. And I knew right away that it was the spirit of God. I knew it because it hit me. It's the spirit of confusion. The enemy will always come in to try and stir things up so that you're so confused that you actually can't see what's actually going on around you. What's actually happening? I don't actually know. I get confused. Let's look. It begins to list it. Let's watch. It's, so he says, but we prayed to our God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. They went into a time of praying. Let me say this, moving forward as a church, this is the time to pray, church. This is the time to not neglect your time with prayer in your time of prayer with God. I mean it. I know I said it last week, but, but there are the days that we're going into, you must be armed in prayer. You must have your, your armor on. Don't expect someone else to do it. So look at this. It shows the sign. This is the sign of confusion, okay? Verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. This is what they said. And there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall of ourselves. You see, the talking begins. The talking begins. They begin to complain. They begin talking. Now listen to this. This is, a, this is a warning word to you right now, okay? We're not just reading a story. I'm giving you a warning word that we are moving forward as a church. And there are things that are happening in the heavenlies. Good things are coming. But listen to me. The enemy will try to oppose. And I want you to remember this, okay? Seal this on your heart. That when he tries to move in with the spirit of confusion, you are going to hear complaining start. Don't lend your ear. Don't lend your ear. Recognize what's going on. Oh, wait a minute. This is a sign. Something's going on. Don't lend your ear. Don't give yourself to it. Trust me from somebody that has been in that position. Don't do it. Recognize. Whoa, that's the first sign. I see it. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. So complaining begins to happen. Talking begins to happen. And then look at it. It says, the workers are getting tired. And, and there's much rubble to be moved. What happens? Weariness begins to settle in. Do you understand that just like five minutes ago, it says that they were enthusiastic? They're all like building the wall and they're enjoying themselves. And suddenly they're like, whew. I'm tired. What just happened? Confusion. It's exhausting. Confusion is exhausting. So they begin to get tired. What's the other thing that happens? They say, we will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. What? That wasn't an issue before. They all got into place. They were committed to it, right? We talked about this. You have to commit because something's going to move in, right? They're committed to it. They're building it. They're enthusiastic. They're enjoying themselves. And suddenly they're like, we can't do this. What? You just built half a wall. What happens when the spirit of confusion, loss of vision, where are we even headed with this? What's even, what's even happened? It's just work. All we do is work. Loss of vision. The spirit of confusion. Watch for it. Listen to me. Watch for it. Back yourself away from it and begin to pray. Whoa, we're headed into battle. 
Verse 11, meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. More talking is going on. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, um, spears, and bows. So the enemy comes in, and his reason for bringing confusion is to bring disunity. He wants to break up the unity of the church. That's what he's after. That's why it's so important that we really guard our mouths about how we talk about people. Just put a watch over my mouth, Holy Spirit, if there's any, just keep a watch over my mouth. But watch this, look what begins to happen. Verse 14, then I looked over the situation and I called together the nobles, the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives and your homes. See what just happened there? That they were all working towards this common goal. They were connected, but they just moved from connectedness to community. Why? Fight. You're not just there to build, you're there to protect one another. You move into a protection. I'm here to fight for you, you're here to fight for me. It's not just me doing my thing, building the thing. No, now I'm here and I'm building and now we're fighting for you. I've got you covered, you've got me covered, I got you covered, we are covering each other. They move from a place of just being connected, which is great, into a place of community that says, I am watching, I have got you, I am covering you, you are my community, I am watching over you. Community is a unified group of individuals, meaning I have deep communion with you and I am in unity with you. Community. And there is a deep longing for community within all of us. All of us. That's what we desire, everyone. We desire community. You know why? Because God, from the beginning, very beginning, is community. It's, he is community. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are community. That's who he is. And then they, they say, well, you know what? Let's make man in our own image. Let's make him like us. Meaning that inside of me, in the very depths of me, there is a longing and a desire to be in community with somebody else to be in a community with people. It's what God designed because it's part of my DNA. And the enemy knows what happens when the body of Christ comes into community. Let's look in Acts 2.42. In community, in unity, that's where the anointing is. It's where the anointing is. We know the anointing breaks the yoke. So let's look, Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe, wow, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
This is for us. We can have this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You know, that means that they were just, they were, they were selfless. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why? Well, they were in unity. That's where the anointing is. Two, because there's a deep longing in every heart for community. Let's jump to Acts 4. Now they've been, they've been doing this. Now let's look to Acts 4.32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Wow. Man, that embassy church, great grace is upon all of them. There was not a needy person among them, Jesus. For as many as were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, 35 and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Fight for your brothers and your sisters. Fight for your daughters and fight for your sons and fight for the people that are around you. Fight for them. Move into community that it's not just me that shows up on Sunday morning sitting in the chair to get what I get. No, I have shown up because I am here to fight. That word fight is a call to unity. It's a call. He says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Oh, he's going to come in. He's going to try and break unity. Don't be afraid of him. Remember who God is. But listen, church, fight. Fight. It is time for the place that you sit, not be the place that you watch from, but the place that you minister from, the place that you serve from, the place that you pray from, the place that you worship from, and the place that you show up to fight from. The equipping of the body of Christ. Fight. Verse 13, back to verse 13. Now we'll skip that. Let's go. We just read that. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. I was born to fight for you. I was born to fight for you. It's time for us to come out of isolation. And not just the isolation that COVID brought on. I dare say that we've been in isolation for longer than COVID existed. Isolating from people, isolating our hearts, isolating our lives. It being about me, myself, and I, and time to fight for your brothers and fight for your sisters and fight for the children. Can I say this about the children? Can I say this about families? Now more than ever, it is time for us to pray, church. Pray and cover families. Pray and cover children. There is a war on families right now. A war on children. 
Cover them in prayer. Cover marriages. The enemy's after the generations that are coming. See, that baby agrees with me. He's saying, yes, guys, pray for me. Yeah, that's... Pray for, the, pray for the babies to come. You find out that a woman is pregnant, I'm telling you, you begin to cover her in prayer. Cover her in prayer. It's time for the church to arise. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and God had frustrated them, we will ret- listen. Sorry, I'm just going to stop. When the enemy knew that we heard of their plans, God will always warn you of what the enemy is going to do beforehand. And so I want you to take this word as God warning us as to what could come. Don't be afraid. Remember who God is. But there's always a warning that comes forth like, here's some strategy into what's about to come down. So he says, when our enemies heard that we knew the plans of, um, and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. Enemy meant to bring confusion, God, frustration. That's what God brought. Verse 16, but from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. In other words, he's saying they stayed in position. They stayed on guard from then on. Oh, we are on a mission. There's, we've got some things. We've got to accomplish some things. So from then on. Verse 17, who were building the wall, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting the load and one hand holding a weapon. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That was, that was they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. Here's verse 23, very important. During this time, none of us not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me ever took off our clothes. And we carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. What does that mean? That they all needed baths? Probably. <laughs> but in our text, it doesn't mean that. Keep, you can take your clothes off at night and have baths, please. Um, <laughs> What it means is that they were in readiness to fight all the time. They were ready. They stayed ready. Day and night, I'm ready. And I think that there's been this concept, right? Sunday mornings get filled up. And then just kind of, I don't know, let all hell break loose after that. Sunday, get filled up. No, no, no. No, you're the church Sunday to Sunday morning to night I'm ready I'm ready for battle and it's this place today that God wants to call you call me call all of us up higher that I'm gonna 
I'm going to be ready day and night. I'm not, I'm not going to just make my life about church on Sunday. I'm not going to make my life just about church about Sunday, Wednesday. I am the church. I am always the church. I am always ready for what God would have me to do. Whether it's you wake me up in the middle of the night and you want me to pray for somebody, I will do it. But whatever it is, I am ready. When I'm out in public I, and, I, and you want me to pray for someone, I am ready. I'm ready. I'm not going to let my guard down. Church, don't let your guard down. This isn't the time to let your guard down. Don't be tempted by what the enemy wants you to trip you up and bring you. Don't be tempted. That's taking your armor off. Think about this. He wants your armor off because that makes you weak. It's not the time. It's not that Jordan, thank you, that was anointed. <laughs> Every Christian is both a laborer <laughs> and a soldier, working with one hand and fighting with the other. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another in love, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 14 says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves so important be at peace the, the spirit of confusion will always bring unrest but there will always be a lack of peace be at peace with one another so you work for it you go after it and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, but I love this, but be patient with them all. In Galatians 6:2, here's fighting. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. I think that God is endeavoring and wanting and calling us yelling maybe, <laughs> that it's time for us to go deeper. That it is wonderful and, and it's an amazing thing and we all should get into place. Like I said last week, we're needed. We can't let, you know, just a few carry the load. We all need to carry the load. And that it's important in moving forward, but then there's another place that it's not just me carrying the load, but I'm also standing on guard for all of you and you're standing on guard for all of them and we're all standing here ready, listening to the call of God say, fight. Fight for your brothers, fight for your sisters. Do you recognize that that's a, it's a, it takes you to a different sphere? If I'm just here in my lane and I'm just building, I don't really see you, I'm doing my work. But when I, have been given the commission that I need to fight for you, I notice you. I'm watching you, I'm watching out for you. I, I've got you on my mind, I'm making sure. And God's calling all of us. It's that time. It's that time. 
It's where the anointing is. So Father God, we love you. We love you so much. And Father God, we hear the call, we heed the call, we obey the call. For us to go deeper as the church is not just be a group of people that come together, but a group of people that are in community with one another. That our hearts are connected. And so Father God, I just declare over this body that the spirit of unity rests among us. That you are doing something new and that you are, you are moving things into place and upon it, Father, I declare that the spirit of unity rests in this place. That there is a deepening, there is an affection for one another like we've never seen before. And I thank you, Father God, Holy Spirit, that right now within our hearts, you are softening even the hardest of places where we can open up our hearts one to another. And we will surely say in that day, this was only God. It could have only been God. But Father, we surrender surrender to that we say no holding back no holding back for the unity of God will rest here and the anointing will go forth and within this place within our hearts not only fight for one another, but we'll fight together. We'll fight for injustice. We'll fight for the lives and the hearts of people that don't know you. And that people will come into this place and be held in our hearts. That they'll feel safe here because of the community that's here and much healing and much deliverance will come forth from it. And I declare it in the name of Jesus. It is so. Amen. Adam. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.